The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. All right, everybody, if you will, go ahead and make your way back to your seat. Great to see everybody uh, this morning. I'm Pastor Chris. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. Uh, For those of you who are traveling or home, uh, watching us online, we're glad to have you with us today. If you're tuning in at 6 to watch this, welcome. We're glad that you're here as well. Uh, Man, it's been an awesome, awesome week here at Coastal Community Church. We had a great vacation Bible school. We saw the largest number of kids we've ever seen. It seems like, really, I think for the last... Uh, maybe four or five years, we keep saying that, and uh, every year we say this was the best week of VBS, and uh, it seems like we say that every year, and then we said that again this week. Uh, we saw 205 kids this past week, so it's the first time we've ever uh, had more than um, 200 kids here on our campus, and man, our volunteers just did an awesome, awesome job. I think that's 205 kids, and I think every night we had over 100 volunteers here each week, and uh, each day of the week, and it was just a great great week. Um, Today, uh, we are in uh, week two of this series called Summer Reading, and uh, each week, uh, we're using a different book, a uh, book that we've been recommending that you read. We've got, as Ryan said, uh, some of the books back there for sale at a pretty good price. Um, but each week we use a different book, and we use it kind of as a springboard, the subject matter of that book, to, to then take us into God's Word, which is what we do each and every Sunday here at Coastal. Uh, today's book is Glory Days by Max Lucado. And uh, Max Lucado is one of my favorite authors. Uh, it's a, he's a, it's a great book, and I would highly recommend that you pick it up and read this this summer. Um, Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever felt like you were stuck in a rut? Stuck in a rut. Uh, Maybe you're there right now. You know, maybe you feel like you're in a rut today. Uh, Stuck in a rut in your personal life, uh, stuck in a rut in your career, in a relationship, uh, maybe stuck in a rut in your spiritual life. Somebody once said that a rut uh, is just a grave with both ends kicked out. And uh, maybe that's a pretty good description of how you're feeling today. You know, just feeling like, man, you are dying a slow death in whatever area you're stuck in. Well, if there was ever a group of people who knew what it was like to be stuck in a rut, it was the children of Israel. Now, after witnessing the power of God displayed uh, through the ten plagues and and experiencing uh, the miraculous uh, rescue from Pharaoh. By the way, this is a a great uh, book and story for us to be talking about today because this is exactly what our children here in VBS uh, learned all about this past week. So after they had gone through all of that, they spent the next 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. 40 long years just waiting. Now, they were free from slavery, but they were stuck in this endless rut. Well, in the book Glory Days, Max Lucado looks at the life of Joshua now at this point and and the challenges that Israel faced, showing how God brought them out of the desert, out of the rut they were in, and into the promised land. And I believe that he can do the same thing for you today. And I also believe that our current situation as a church kind of uh, bears an amazing resemblance to the circumstances facing Joshua and the people of Israel. You see, the book of Joshua 
is really all about the next group of God's people. You know, the next generation of God's people. After wandering around uh, the wilderness for 40 years, a new generation of Israelites was finally given an opportunity to enter into the promised land. And so now here they are, okay? They, they stand at the edge, the edge of a, of a new beginning, a new start. But there is this huge barrier that stands in their way. Now, coastal, we haven't been wandering in the, you know, around Charleston for 40 years, but it sure felt that way when we first got started. You know, back uh, 29 years ago, uh, we were a portable church. Remember, some of you? Uh, setting up and broke, uh, breaking down every single Sunday for 14 years in mainly three different locations. And then, when we first moved here, after all of that, uh, 15 years ago, actually not here, but over there, that facility, uh, it honestly felt like we had arrived in the promised land after, you know, 14 years of setting up and breaking down every Sunday. And now today, okay, 15 years later, the face of our church looks very, very different than it did back then. And that's very, very exciting. And just like the people of Israel, you know, we're standing today at another one of those pivotal places, ready to face both new opportunities and new challenges. And I want to talk about those today. So follow along as I read uh, Joshua chapter 3. It says this, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shedem and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord God and the priests who are the Levites, who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So, they were to move forward, and the only thing standing between them and blessing, between them and the promised land, was a river. Now, you need to know that the Jordan River was at flood stage at this time. It had overflowed its banks and uh, was at the highest it ever was during the year. So this was both the border and the barrier to the promised land. The border and the barrier to blessing. Now, I believe that in many ways, that's where we are as a church. I think we are standing right on the border, right on the edge, right on the precipice of some very incredible opportunities. I also believe that many of you here today are right there in your own life. You are at the edge. You're at the, the border of, of God doing some amazing things through you, doing some amazing things in your life, but he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to take that next step of faith, to keep moving forward. You know, think about it. Our church has more than uh, quadrupled 
in the last 10 years. New people coming each and every week. We expect that. We take that for granted in, in many ways. Lives are being changed. Uh, we outgrew our old building. Some of you remember that. Uh, back in the day, we, uh, we went from one service to two services to three services. And then, six years ago, another group of people here at our church, in many ways, a whole other group, six years ago, right, decided to go all in. And then three years ago, a little over three years ago, we built and moved into this facility, okay? A multi-purpose building. You know, I call it a worship gymatorium um, that, will, uh, that would enable us to, to keep growing and to keep reaching people for Jesus. And grow we have, haven't we? But think about it. This past Easter, uh, we had five services, and we saw over 1,600 people attend our church. This facility and our campus uh, is now being used almost every day of the week, but more importantly, in fact, uh, more than that, our church is out in the community, serving, loving, sharing, giving, making an impact. God's hand of blessing is on us, and he is using our church, our people, to draw people to himself. As your pastor, I think we need to ask ourselves a question. What are we going to do with that blessing? What are we going to do with it? You know, are we just going to kind of, you know, settle in and, and uh, camp on this side of the river? Are we just going to kind of, you know, settle down and, you know, kind of stall out, and begin to drift a little bit and just settle out right here, you know, kind of, uh, you know, thinking that, you know, we're hot stuff. You know, maybe even bragging a little bit about what we've done and where we've been. Are we going to do that? Or are we going to keep moving forward? Are we going to keep growing, keep reaching people, keep taking those next steps, keep trusting God, keep stepping out in faith? By the way, let me say this. We, we haven't accomplished anything. We haven't done anything. God has. God has. He simply has used us in our church as willing vessels. And as soon as we forget that, as soon as we forget why we are here, why we exist, what our purpose is, let me tell you something, he will find somebody else to use. He will. So, are we going to stay on this side of the river, always wondering and thinking about, you know, what could be? Or, are we going to move forward in faith? Now, if you were the children of Israel and I asked you that question, the obvious statement would be, the obvious response would be, okay, but in order for us to keep moving, we first got to cross a river. Now, that was no small task, by the way. So how do we do it? How are we going to step out in faith? How are we going to get out of that rut that maybe you find yourself in today? Well, that's what I want us to talk about. I'm glad you're here. Number one, if you're taking notes, Keep your eyes on Jesus. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Now, the children of Israel were faced with a very, very tough challenge. But God made it pretty simple. He basically told them to move when the Ark of the Covenant moved. Now, you might ask, Pastor Chris, okay, what in the world does that have to do with us today? Well, 
The Ark of the Covenant, the Ark represented God's presence and God's power. Write that down. It represented God's presence and his power. The Ark, if you'd seen uh, you know, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, one of my favorite movies, uh, the Ark was a rectangular box, a gold-plated lid called the Mercy Seat. There were two statues of cherubim, angels, that stood on either side of the Ark with their outstretched wings over the Mercy Seat. Now, Inside the ark, there were contained the Ten Commandments, a bowl of manna, and Aaron's staff, his rod, representing the Word of God, the provision of God, and the protection of God. Again, God's presence and God's power. In fact, three words can, be, uh, can summarize the ark. God with us. God with us. So, Joshua heard from God, and then he told the Hebrews the children of Israel, to keep their eyes on the ark. By the way, let me say this. He did not say, let's form a committee. Let's talk about it. Let's, uh, you know, let's investigate it. He didn't say, let's vote on this. You know, no, you know what he said? Hey, we're listening to God, and whatever God tells us to do, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna listen to him, we're gonna trust him, and we're gonna keep moving in faith. Jesus, now this is what you need to hear loud and clear because this is how this relates to us. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God. You know, at Christmas time, we're familiar with this word. We say he is Emmanuel, Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Jesus is God's provision, God's presence, God's power, his protection. And I believe that he is leading us today into some new opportunities with new challenges. That's what we do here. We follow Jesus, right? Plain and simple. We follow Jesus. Wherever he leads, we follow. As a church, we are not going to be diverted from that. We are not going to be distracted. We believe the Bible is very clear. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And until he comes again or calls us home, we're going to keep doing the same. Whatever, we will do whatever it takes, short of sin itself, to see lost people come home. To see them come to life in Jesus Christ. That's who we are as a church. That's who we've always been. That's what we do. And we're not going to make apologies for it. Now, notice something. Following Jesus, though, always leads us into uncharted territory. It always does. You need to be prepared for that. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's going to lead you into some uncharted territory. Now, think about the children of Israel for a moment. In terms of distance, okay, you know, the Israelites really didn't have very far to go. It wasn't a long distance. The Jordan River was only about 150 feet wide during flood stage, but it represented a huge, huge barrier. Now, I want to be honest with you about something. You know, I don't have all the answers as, as to what the future holds for our church. I really don't. I'm, I'm learning all the time. You know, we're growing. There are a lot of changes that are going to be taking, a play, taking place. And in many ways, this is uncharted territory for us. We're learning new things all the time. I'm continuing to learn, continuing to grow. So I don't know everything God, that, that God has in store for us. But it reminds me of the old joke. What does a 500-pound gorilla eat? What's the answer? 
That's exactly right. Whatever he wants to, anything he wants to. And so many way, in, in many ways, my attitude about you know, the life of a church is this. What does God have in store for Coastal? What does God have in store for you? Anything he wants to. Anything. You know, I just want us to keep our eyes on Jesus, keep trusting him, keep following him, and keep walking by faith. Number two, keep your heart devoted to Jesus. Keep your heart devoted to Jesus. You know, think about it. If you were leading a military expedition, which is what the children of Israel really were, if you were leading that in Joshua's day, what would you have told your troops? Right? I mean, you probably say something, hey guys, men, you know, make sure your swords are sharpened, make sure your shields are ready, your helmet. Instead, you know, Joshua didn't do that. Instead, he told them, get yourselves spiritually ready. Get yourself spiritually ready. He told them to consecrate themselves. Consecrate themselves. Now, as we face some things as a church that we've never had to think about before, you know, as we begin to prepare, prepare to move into uh, phase two of our campus, you might expect me to say first, hey everybody, Coastal, get your wallets ready and get prepared to give. In fact, why don't you go ahead and take the wallet of the person sitting in front of you, take their wallet, and give till it hurts. You might expect me to say that today, right? Instead, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say it first, okay? Instead, I'm going to tell you what Joshua told the children of Israel. Prepare yourself spiritually. Get ready spiritually. Now why? Do you know why? Because, you see, if we're walking with God, if we are walking with God, we will never lack for money in this church. I believe that. You see, giving, ultimately, it is a spiritual issue. It's not a financial issue. Giving is a spiritual issue. Because if God truly has your heart, if God truly has your heart, he already has your wallet. That's truth. If God has your heart, he has your wallet. Now, the word consecrate there in verse 5, it's really not a very familiar word to us today, but it basically means to set your life apart for, the, for God's use, to keep your heart devoted to Jesus. Let me ask you, have you ever made a, a, a reservation in a very nice restaurant, you know, maybe to take your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, maybe right up there on the corner, hard days, you ever been there? Really nice. Um, anyway, when you arrive at a nice restaurant, uh, you know, typically the host escorts you to what? Your table. You see, that table has been what? Consecrated. It has been reserved for your use, and nobody else is supposed to use it while you're there. So when we consecrate ourselves to God, you are essentially saying to God, God, my heart, my life is reserved exclusively for you. While I occupy this body, it is for you. My heart belongs to no one else. It is set apart, devoted to you. Now, how do we do that, though, on a practical level? How do we consecrate ourselves to God? Let me give you three things. Number one, get rid of your junk. 
Get rid of how many you got? How many you got some junk in your house you need to get rid of? You need to, you know, a dump run, a goodwill run. You know, you're going from, you know, garage to closet to attic. You got to get rid of your junk, right? Well, the word consecrate was used to describe what the high priest would do to cleanse himself on the Day of Atonement before entering into the Holy of Holies in the temple. Now, in one sense, we understand, right, as believers today, that we can't cleanse ourselves, right? We can't do that. Only the blood of Jesus cleanses us. Only the blood of Jesus removes our sin. That's something that Jesus does when he saves us. By the way, that's what baptism represents. That's one of the things that baptism represents and why it's so important is because it represents Jesus cleansing us, the blood of Christ cleansing us, washing our sins away. And if you've not yet taken that next step, by the way, we'd love for you to do it. In fact, we have a baptism coming up at the beach, at Folly Beach on August the fourth, it's it's on your connect card. You can sign up today. Now, practically speaking, day to day, you see, we now have the responsibility, though, of walking out what Jesus has done for us spiritually. Now, we understand that this building, this room, is is just an auditorium. And by the way, I don't care if it has stained glasses or an altar; it is still just a building, okay? Whether you call it a sanctuary or not, God doesn't live there. Your body, the body of the person sitting next to you, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit if you're a believer. Now, the question for you and I is this, listen, do you keep your temple clean? Have you gotten rid of the junk? Are you pursuing holiness? Are you cooperating with the Holy Spirit as he cleanses you day by day? In other words, on a very practical level, do you allow anger, rage, gossip, sexual sin, profanity, pride to reside in your life? Get rid of it. You know, confess it, turn from it, repent of it. Get rid of the junk. Number two, get into God's word. Get into God's word. Again, only Jesus can wash away our sin, right? We know that. But it is the word of God that continues to to do his work in us and and keep us clean. Listen to Psalm 119, 9 and 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? How? By living according to what? What? your word. And then verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, ultimately, I could care less if you read any of these books this summer, but what I do care about is if you get yourself into the word of God. Are you reading it? Are you allowing his word to cleanse you? So get rid of the junk, get into the word, and number three, get down on your knees. You want to consecrate yourself? You want to commit yourself, reserve yourself for God's use? Get down on your knees. In other words, we need to pray. We need to pray. Jesus said this, if you remain in me, and listen to this, and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be given to you. Now, this isn't like the, again, the magic, you know, genie lamp, you know, verse of the Bible. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, you get into the word, you remain in me. In other words, your life becomes aligned with with God's life. Your will becomes God's will. His will becomes your will. And, And there's the connection there, right, between the word of God and what? And prayer, 
get down on your knees. I, I really don't think I need to come up with some sort of clever way of convincing you how important prayer is. We just need to do it. So, keep your eyes on Jesus. You got a next step to take? You're stuck in a rut? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your heart devoted to Jesus. And then, sometimes this is the tough one, number three, keep moving forward with Jesus. Keep taking those next steps. Keep moving forward. Let me show you the most exciting part of the story with Joshua. Joshua 3, 14 through 17. So, when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage during all harvest, uh, all during harvest, yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap, a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabath, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on firm on, on dry ground, stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Wow. Man, what a miraculous story. Now, what in the world does that mean for us today? Well, again, you see, the Jordan River really was the borderline into blessing. The borderline, the barrier into blessing. And I believe that our church in many ways is standing right there. We are standing at the border. And again, the question is, are we going to move forward? Are we going to keep walking by faith, keep trusting God, keep taking those next steps? You know, this is not a time to get comfortable, not a time to remain complacent. And that's why this fall, on Sunday, September the 22nd, our entire church is going to go through a church-wide spiritual growth campaign called Daring Faith. Daring Faith. And together, we're going to march ahead, and we're going to now build phase two on our campus. We're going to completely renovate and expand our Coastal Kids building so that we can continue to grow, continue to keep reaching people for Jesus and generations to come, and leave a legacy for future generations. By the way, that's why we need life group leaders. Life group. We've been talking about that for several weeks now. Some of you might have you know, gotten an email about it. It's been in my Friday Five. We are hoping to have this coming fall semester at least 35 to 40 life groups this semester. Typically we have about uh, around 20 or so. But this time we are hoping to have 35 to 40 groups, small groups of like 8 to 15 people meeting in homes all over Charleston. Now, if you have ever thought about leading or hosting a group, now is the time. Let me say this, and if you have ever hosted or led a group in the past, we need you again. You need to be a part of this. Not only is it going to be exciting to be a part of and to witness a move of God here at our church, but we are going to make it easier than ever before to lead. 
We're going to provide you uh, a teaching, the, uh, the teaching material on a DVD or online access and the study guide. Basically, all you have to do is facilitate. All you have to do is push play. Okay, that's about it. And then facilitate the discussion. The study is called, again, Daring Faith, the key to miracles. And I truly believe that we are going to see some out-and-out miracles in our church this fall. We want to see everybody, everybody who calls Coastal their home, everybody who's in this room today, everybody who's watching this online, we want you to be in a group this semester. You can do anything for eight weeks. That's, that's as long as the groups are this semester. Now, on top of that, as a part of this campaign, we are going to have a 40-day fast. A 40-day fast. Just like our Easter fast leading up to Easter, we're going to do it together in the fall as a church. And we're asking you to, to give up something, to fast from something, and to focus your life, focus your family on, on God. Our entire church is going to be going through uh, the same 40-day devotional that we're going to provide. We're going to have a uh, Daring Faith coloring book uh, and change jar uh, for your children and your family so that they can participate with you. Let me, say, let me share something with you. Six years ago, okay, again, a, a, a group of people, okay, in, in many ways, a whole other group of people. Now, the good news is we didn't wait for that generation to die off. Okay, before we did this, before we did it again, many of you are still here. But six years ago, when we last did our church-wide campaign called All In, listen to this. Our children, your children, gave over 300 pounds of change. And uh, we took up our largest ever single Sunday offering. Over $55,000 in one day, and we all made two-year commitments of over $400,000, all to build the facility that you're sitting in right now and that you enjoy. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that on Sunday, November the 10th, that's our commitment Sunday at the end of the campaign, I believe that our children, your kids, are going to give this time over 500 pounds of change. I believe that we are together going to give an offering, a single Sunday offering of over $100,000 and that together we are going to make a three-year, not two, three-year commitment of over a million dollars. So that in early 2020, now get this, 2020, you know what that is? The 30th anniversary of our church. We are going to transform our campus. And we are going to build the next phase here on our campus so that we can continue to grow, continue to, to reach children and families for Jesus, so that we can continue to, to leave a legacy for future generations. And in early September, about a three-week period of time uh, before the Daring Faith campaign kicks off, we're gonna have a, I'm going to host a series of Daring Faith campaign meetings. We're going to have about 12, 13 of them uh, on different days, on different times, and we're just asking everyone, everyone who considers Coastal their home, to pick just one, just one of those meetings, to come to them, and then at, that, at those meetings, I'm going to explain in great, great detail exactly what we're going to do. We're going to give you a packet, a campaign packet, we're going to go over exactly what we're going to build, exactly what it's going to cost. Uh, like most things here at Coastal, we're going to give you an opportunity to sign up for those meetings either online or on your Connect card. 
And again, we're, we're, we're encouraging everybody from our church just to pick one, one of those meetings, and to attend. I'm telling you something. And it totally transformed our church six years ago. And you're here today because of it. I believe that this is going to be an exciting season here at Coastal Community Church. But here's what we've learned over the years. You never know God's power until you step into the water. You never know God's power until you step into the water. Now, before you think that the priests were simply tiptoeing through a shallow, trickling brook, let me tell you about the Jordan River. The name Jordan means to descend, literally. The water descends from uh, the snow-melted caps uh, and underground springs near Mount Hermon, 9,200 feet above sea level. It flows 30 miles into the Sea of Galilee, and then the Jordan River delivers the water 65 miles to the Dead Sea, the lowest spot on earth, by the way, 1,300 feet below sea level. So, the water falls over 10,000 feet in about 95 miles. That's how it got its name, Jordan, to descend. Can you imagine the power of that water? you got a picture in your mind something like the raging Colorado River. So I want you to visualize these priests, okay, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, descending down into that barrier. You see, it was too deep to cross, and the current was too strong to swim. And by the way, I don't think a lot of Israelites had a lot of swimming lessons wandering around in the desert for 40 years. And those priests walked up to that water's edge, and they faced a huge crisis of faith. Maybe that's where you're at today. And basically, they said, okay, well, do we stand here and just wait for the water to stop, or do we trust God and do we take the plunge in faith? Now, they could have been swept away by the current, but here's what they decided on that day. Sink or swim, live or die, we're obeying God. And they stepped out into the river by faith. Look at verse 15 again. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan, reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. By the way, I bet it took a little bit of time before it completely stopped when they got there. But does God have perfect timing or what? You know, how many times do we come to a new experience with God and you know what he's doing? He is patiently waiting for you to keep walking by faith. You see, you want him to fix it before you take the step and he's waiting on you to take the step because do you trust him? Do you trust him? You know, he, he's waiting for us. We have no way of knowing, you know, how God's gonna provide, how he's gonna deliver. He is just waiting on you to take the next step, to move forward, to make the ask, to invite that friend, to give your life to Jesus, to pray, to serve, to love, to give, to share, to serve. I think we're at the same place. We're facing the challenge of God, uh, the challenges of God bringing new people to us every week. We're facing the challenge of, of a new building and new experiences. Each one of us is going to be called upon to, to step up and to serve in, in new and different ways, to, to continue to go all in and to give and live by faith. What about you? Are you willing to step into the water? Dream with me just for a little bit. I have a dream of a church where those who come in feeling condemned get accepted. 
of a church of those where the fallen are restored, where the hurting are healed, and the lost are saved. I have a dream of a church where everyone counts, where everyone is appreciated, where everyone is valued, not because of who they are out there, but because of who they are in Jesus. I have a dream of a church where people are welcomed, regardless of what they have done, regardless of where they have been or how they have lived, where where prodigals are received with opened arms, where we run to them and we welcome them home. I have a dream of a church where the love of God in people's hearts is so strong that gossip is rejected and people are built up, not put down, where unity is more important than winning an argument. I have a dream of a church where Jesus is loved and worshiped in spirit and in truth and where the only bystanders in times of worship are those who don't, know, don't yet know him as Lord. I have a dream of a church where the students are involved, where at an early age they can sense their destiny and they know they are as much of a part of the church as anyone else. I have a dream where people who are single, divorced, widowed, orphaned, feel secure and know that they are a part of the family of God. I have a dream where the work, where the weight and the burden of the work, it doesn't rest on a few, but where everybody plays their part in reaching the world with the good news of God's love. I have a dream of a church where everything that is done is done with enthusiasm and excellence and where people needing Jesus is always our top priority. I have a dream of a church where the Holy Spirit of God gets excited about being here and he is free to do whatever he wants to do. I have a dream of a church where people come to know Jesus each and every week and needs are always being met by the risen Savior. I have a dream of a church where the Bible, God's holy word, is preached, loved, and obeyed. I have a dream where people realize that we don't just go to church. We what, Coastal? We are the church. We are the church, and we're on a mission to share and experience the abundant life of Jesus, to beat down the gates of hell, and to rescue people one life at a time. Listen, these buildings, the building that we're about to build, they are simply tools, tools that enable us to keep growing, to keep sharing and experiencing the life and the love of Jesus with Charleston and the world. That's my dream. And you say, Pastor Chris, is all that possible? That's a big dream. With God, all things are possible. But I tell you this, for that dream to be realized, we got to move forward in faith. We got a huge step out into the water. You say, Pastor Chris, that's that's a huge challenge. Yep, but we serve a huge God. So you will you step into the water with me? Will you put your feet in the water? Will you get wet? Sink or swim, live or die. Let's step into the water together. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. Thank you for loving us the way you do. I thank you for your word. I thank you for this church. I thank you for our journey for the last 29 years where you've taken us from, where we're at today, and where we're headed. I pray that as a church, we are always known for listening to your voice, trusting you, 
obeying you, and walking by faith. God, I pray that this group of people, that this generation, will continue to do exactly that. I pray that we keep taking those steps together. Listen, if you're here today and you're in a rut, you're in a rut spiritually, listen, it's all about Jesus. Keep your heart devoted to him. Keep walking with him. Keep moving forward with him. Maybe you've never placed your faith in Christ before. Listen, today is your day. Take that next step. It's just one step. One step of faith. Pray this prayer with me. God, I believe. I believe. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe he went to the cross for me. I believe he rose from the dead to prove his power over sin and death. And today, I put my faith and trust in him alone. My sin put him on that cross. But his great, great love was exhibited for all and for me. And today, God, for the rest of my days, I want to keep taking those next steps. I just want to keep following Jesus. And for those of you who are here who have already prayed that prayer of faith, are you in a rut? Do you need to get rid of the junk? Do you need to get down on your knees and get, get into the Word? Keep moving forward. Keep taking those next steps. He will lead you into uncharted territory, yes, but he'll be right with you. We love you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.